everybody and welcome to what must be physically the last episode of what of the year what is a part documentary part competition podcast where a duo or trio of friends get together and tell each other exciting and interesting stories from all of space and time and then at the end we judge and pick a winner kind of it's a lot of fun Well, normally that's how it goes, but this is the second of two very special holiday compilation episodes, so Chelsea and I can take a little break from production and have holidays. Thank you for sticking with me for this little delay. I was a bit slow getting this episode together off of traveling for Christmas and trying to avoid coronavirus and all that kind of fun, fun stuff. But before we dive into the episode, I want to start off with a little fact bang that I hope uh, Chelsea, wherever she is, is going to enjoy. I saw a picture on Twitter, and this was the caption. A conductor on the Pushkov-Moscow train feeds a cat named Felix sausage during a short stop in Stryara, Russia. Felix shows up every day at 10.40pm and has for several years. All conductors are aware of Felix and prepare sausage in advance. And I just thought that was the most amazing thing and a great little fact for New Year's Eve. It's New Year's Eve! We can finally put this horrific year behind us and hope that 2021 is going to be better eventually, maybe. It might take a little bit of a slow start, but let's hope that we get there. From my rainy office in Austin, Texas to you, please enjoy the special Christmas compilation. You're going to hear from me, Ellie Main, my co-host Chelsea Harfouche. You're going to hear the voices of Miles Luna, Mitch Donahue, and Beth Oddy. So please enjoy. I'm going to go next. Okay. She's going next. My topic is called Gotta Slide Fast. That so is for Miles. Gonna... You said you picked a topic for Miles. Yeah, but guess. You, you're going to be so happy because it is equally for you. Okay. Oh, man. Got to, got to slide Is fast. it about like like slides? Like water slides and like slides and like fun? <laughs> you got it. It's about Tommy Lahren's first job being a water slide attendant. <laughs> no, it's not. It's true. Uh, is it true? That's true. That she was it. making fun of AOC for being a bartender when she used to tend water slides. But see, when she was just the jabroni that's like, go. Go. <laughs> wait, stop. Wait. Okay, go. Go. Sorry, go. some kid dropped a hot dog. Wait, yeah. wait. Hold on. Do I see that little like kid just like hardcore flipping towards his mom? Yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. So no, but it's not about it's not about uh, Tommy Lahren or water slides. Uh, is it is it uh, speed runs game speed runs exploiting exploiting video game? That would be so inside baseball for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could uh, present okay, that in okay, good faith. Okay, 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 you're right. It needs to be brought. It needs to be brought. Okay, so is it about the 1996 hit series Sliders, <laughs> starring Jerry O'Connell? Um, nail on the head. No, it's not. It's not about Get that. It. It's not. All right. Yeah. Don't yeah. Similar slide. vein. D- not not going to be about the early 2000s uh, Fox Kids series Sonic Underground, where they did introduce the musical numbers and instruments and Sonic's two lesser known siblings. Oh, no. Okay. okay. Just wanted to check. Just is it check. anything? Is it something about animation, like about related to like how like the Sonic had to get redone? No. Oh, I was wondering. That's a long one. We should pocket that. We should pocket that. Okay, we'll pocket right, that. Right. Okay. No, you didn't. You guys didn't get it. Okay. Okay. I'm just like situated. With... Oh my god. Honestly, Ellie, please. Mm-hmm. Like, get yourself situated. <laughs> I'm going to. Ellie, please. I have to be comfortable. In order to present my talk, look, I'm very far behind in the points, and I believe that the secret to me winning 
is my preparation and my comfortability. Is that okay with you? This is the most like Dennis Reynolds ass shit Ellie yeah, has ever said. Yeah, it's a little like, frightening. Yeah, like she I is... have my system. I have my tools. Yes. She's like, here, I'm going to get my points my because tool. of the implication. Well, jokes on them because, uh, yes, I mentioned. <laughs> here, you know what? I'm just going to give you these. Use them as you will. I'll just redact the whole thing. Here you go. Hold oh, on. Okay. Here. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Amazing. <laughs> what? 20. 7. 69. What's a bear doing here? I don't think you're going to get a lot of I'm use out of the last one, one, but I wanted yeah, to give it yeah. I wanted to give it to you. Thank you. Um, Put your pants back on. Now that that. Hey, can <laughs> we get a can we get a time code on that? <laughs> can we get yeah. it clean? Okay, cool. Nice. We're looking out to the producers who don't exist cuz it's us. <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's just our dark reflections in the evening window. <laughs> just like, hey, future me, who I fucked. <laughs> okay. Right, guys? Yeah. Snakes you... are super symbolic creatures. Aw. Okay, I'm assuming we've jumped into your topic we and you're just... not just stating that out loud. <laughs> I wanted to talk I'm just throwing it out as a talking point. Okay, great. Yeah, this great. Is... <laughs> you have you have a little like black book of conversation starters. <laughs> Like, wow, great one, guys. Um, uh. This whole po- this whole podcast has just been so Ellie can build up a bat catalog of interesting things to whip out at parties. Yes, did you not know yes, that? that is actually I should. I really thought log. that was in the creative brief. That's Sorry, I didn't. I didn't notice that in the one sheet. The deeper meaning of this podcast is so I can make friends. Okay. Aww. Snakes are super symbolic creatures. Okay. In my upcoming novel. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> this is this is why she doesn't have friends. Fuck you. <laughs> hey, she's got one friend. Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> I'm just at a party. <laughs> hey, listen to me. My story wasn't done. <laughs> hey, listen to me. Snakes are super symbolic. Since the dawn of civilizations, snakes have been associated with eternity, evil, healing, order, creation, death. And power, which is kind of a lot to give to, like, yeah, a what the fuck? animal, right? How do they just, like, check all the boxes of all the uh, things? But- well, have you ever seen a snake move? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty magical, it's a, you're right. It's, like, a lot. It's pretty cool. Snakes are present a lot in actual creation myths of the world from a bunch of different cultures. Yeah, telling uh, people to eat apples and shit. Well, I'm gonna get there. Oh. But we're gonna go earlier than that. What? Egypt. You know I like to go to Egypt, Chelsea. Oh, Ellie will always take us to Egypt if it is possible. It's like six degrees of Egypt on this show. <laughs> anyway, tell us about Egypt. They had a creation myth where this many-coiled serpent, Amduat, represented the chaos of pre-creation. Basically, the sun god Ra would rise from and return to this coiled serpent each day in a cycle of rebirth and death. Metal. That's how... Uh, their days worked, which is like such a casual way just to think about your day. Uh, let, let, let's get home. The the sun god is returning to the many-coiled serpent. African and Australian ancient cultures had this idea of Mother Earth represented by the rainbow snake. You might have seen that in like Aboriginal art. I haven't, but it sounds great. Of a very colorful rainbow snake. In ancient Chinese culture, Nuwa was a snake with a woman's head who created people. There are dragons everywhere. Every single culture has like depictions and artistic renderings and this idea of a cultural beast of a dragon. Yeah, we had Pete. And Puff. To us, probably to our culture, the most famous ancient serpent is to be found in Genesis 3.14. Yeah. 
bring the it back. bad little crawly boy. I'm okay. taking it to church, y'all. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Meanwhile, earthworms were like, what the fuck did we do? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you notice I didn't focus on the whole like idea of there being a snake in the garden or like the whole oh. thing that we happened with the tree uh-huh. and all that-ish. Uh-huh. But I'm interested in is cursing you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go. Because as a serpent, was he not already on his belly? Oh. That's what I would ask. Is like, does that imply that the snake that told Eve to eat the apple had like a little snicker leg? Yes. What? Oh! Snakes have what? legs. Snakes had legs for well, then they're not many snakes. Wait, hold on. Checkmate. Wait, atheists. hold on. Wait, hold on. Are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> wait, you mean like in science and shit? What? In science and shit, but let me win my way there. Yeah, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm okay, sorry. We have the Bible, but approximately a thousand years before, we have the pyramid texts, the oldest religious writings in the world. Cool. Which is pretty cool. Sick. Uh, it's basically the principal funerary literature of ancient Egypt. So they would read these to pharaohs to try and prepare them for the next life. And through Aww. reading them, we now know more than we could have ever known about Egyptian life. But within all these uh, preparations for the afterlife, there are several dozen spells and curses on snakes. They were like, hey, on the way to uh, Egypt too, you're going to find a whole <laughs> bunch of snakes and this is how right. you fight them? Yes. This is That's what you'll do. awesome. Here are some spells that call on snakes to lie down fall down, get down, crawl away. Another spell that says he should go with his face on the path. This is kind of ancient poetry and mythology. We have these ancient cultures that talk about snakes within the language of being cursed to be a snake, which doesn't really make any sense. So what I'm arguing is the parallel between the scientific discovery that snakes had legs and now they don't is interesting in light of what has been written about them spiritually. Oh. oh. So do they know what happened to legs? Yes. <laughs> so, so do they? Miles is just like, but, we, but where's legs? But what happened to legs? Let's see if we can find a logical scientific explanation for what appears to be an ancient religious curse okay. on an animal. All right. I mean, I think the proof is in the pudding, but all right. (laughs) Let us see. So we've proved, actually, from fossils and genetic science that the ancestors of today's slithery snakes once sported full-fledged arms and legs. Horrifying. Wait, hold on. You didn't say shit about arms. This changes (laughs) everything. Okay, okay. I'm just going to say it. Lizard. Like, like, <laughs> I'm gonna say the other thing. Trogdor. I. I like, not just like a lizard. Let me just. Okay. So there was a species of snake called the Najash Rhinagira with hind limbs. Some snakes, like pythons, retain tiny vestiges of legs in the form of two little bumps on their pelvis. Like oh, today, I have heard pythons. About that. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, I was about to ask. Like, this sounds like you say snake with legs. I hear different creature, kind of how like Homo sapien, there was like Homo no. erectus and like, okay, okay. So this is what's, well, oh my gosh, we're going to get that. Oh my God. So okay. we're going to get a little bit into genetic science, but I've made it as like user-friendly because I also don't understand it. So I was you can like, say dumbed down. I won't I be offended. I dumbed it down for myself is what I'm also saying. Okay, all right. You know, the little bendy ladders, the DNA. Yes. Double Correct. helix. The double helix bendy ladders. If you were building a program, that's the code of what makes up a living thing, right? Correct. Yes. Right. And genetic science is just like pulling that apart and playing with the ladder and seeing what's up with it. The studies focus on a stretch of DNA called the zone of polarizing activity regulatory sequence. <laughs> 
But we'll just call it ZRS. Okay. Okay. They focused on a stretch of DNA called ZRS. They took mouse embryos, they took the mouse's ZRS DNA, and they put a snake's ZRS DNA in the mouse. Is this like when you would take um, Sonic and Knuckles, and then you would open up the cartridge and put Sonic 3 inside, and sometimes it would work, but then sometimes you'd put like other Miles. games inside, and then it'd be like, no, 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 what? you dumb bitch, that's not what this is for. It's amazing that you've stumbled upon a very fun side part, but the funnest part of this whole topic. Wait, what? I'm freaking out. Oh, wait, what was your title again? Gotta go fast. Oh shit. Oh shit. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. I cannot I'm strapping how in. many times this plot has thickened. I know. It's a thick fucking it's plot. A thick okay, fucking so plot. Listen. listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of snack is put in the yeah, mouse. Yeah, it's a, it's the traditional start to any '90s cartoon. Mm -hmm. And the mouse didn't grow limbs, indicating that that is the exact part of the de of the gene that they needed to go into, right? What? Oh, it's like the, it's the what? no, it's the leg suppressor gene. It's the leg suppressor gene. What the fuck? This is one of the many components of the DNA instructions needed in making limbs in humans and essentially all other legged vertebrates. And in snakes, it's just broken. That is a statement from the study's senior author, Axel Vissel, a geneticist at the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab in California. So here's the thing. They have everything that they should need to make legs. They just don't. It, that just part does that part that is part dirty it's corrupted like it just doesn't work what the Whoa. fuck that's like when you go into like mod some shit and like yeah. skyrim and then you fuck it up and now all children npcs are chickens for some reason and you're like what did i yeah. do so if you take the zrs right and you zoom in then you get these base pairs which are the little nubbins on the ladders mm. yeah that attach they basically found out that 17 of these uh base pairs had been just deleted when they painstakingly fixed the mutations in the snake ZRS, which apparently you can do, and inserted it into the mice, the mice grew normal legs. What the f This is some so, Jurassic Park ass right, shit. So, like, imagine you take a computer chip out of something. Yeah, uh-huh. You solder it a bit, you fix it, you put it back in, and then it works. It does yeah. the thing it's supposed to do. So they, had, they managed to take the snake ZRS, no. fix it, put it in a mouse, and the mouse grew legs. That's how you get velociraptors. In light of our ancient curses, this is an interesting sentence. The quote-unquote molecular machinery for leg development still persists in snakes after millions of years it's just switched off that's fucking wild oh that's they done got shit. cursed because otherwise you would think that they would just like if like it would just go away yeah they just wouldn't have it yeah like the, the snake dna was right. like you know what we don't need this anymore get rid of it but yeah, it's like it's vestigial yeah what the fuck that's so cool right okay. wait what the fuck does this have to do with your title so Oh, man. <laughs> no. Miles, do you know the name of the gene responsible for limb development? Oh, big leggings. No, all big leggings. All big leggings. It yeah. is called the sonic hedgehog gene. No, it isn't. Yes, That's it is. Nuts. Bullshit. Yes, it is. Why? Is this some fucking Paramount? Did Paramount sponsor this episode yeah. for a timely, <laughs> for a timely fucking topic? What Hell the fuck? yeah, dude! Why? Yeah, Why? Why? So. Did some big ass like '90s nerd like me was just like, mm. no? So, well, yes, actually, yes. <laughs> Okay, yeah, Ellie, go ahead and push your glasses up your nose and explain this shit to us. Yeah. So the uh, doctor by the name of Robotnik was working on snakes. 
Oh my god. The Sonic Hedgehog gene was one of a set of three genes, all called Hedgehog genes. Oh, I was gonna. I was. If you had said like Sonic Hedgehog, Knuckles, Echidna, no. Tails, I would have like there would have been a mile shaped hole in no, your wall no. as I ran out into the street screaming. Basically, <laughs> basically the gene is just a bit spiky, so they call them Hedgehog genes. Fuck yeah! But one of the lab's British postdocs, Robert Riddle, pulled the name out of a comic book that his daughter brought over from the UK. Yeah, it's he, his daughter's. It it's his definitely daughter's, not his. Okay. It's it's definitely not his. Hell it was his yeah. daughter's. It was actually before the video game was released in the US. So, oh, wow. But as the importance of the gene began to be better understood, as the Sonic the Hedgehog's video game, like as they grew an understanding of each other, some uh-huh. doctors started to be like, "Ooh, we should, we shouldn't call this gene that." <laughs> Sonic 06 came out, and they were like, "Consider maybe something else." <laughs> Mostly because they didn't want to have to explain the phrase Sonic Hedgehog gene to a sick patient. Oh, yeah. So your son's not going to have legs, and here's why. And here's why. Scientists found that the snake ZRS had disabling mutations that prevented limb development, so the sonic hedgehog is turned off. However, they also found that during the first 24 hours of their existence, python embryos have a pulse of sonic hedgehog transcription. That little pulse is enough for them to begin development in a femur, tibia, and fibula, but then they just degenerate. And weird. become cartilage. That's fucking Almost weird. like a curse. Almost like a curse. That's so cool. Um, but what that means is that it's possible for the pythons of today to grow legs. And it doesn't require an entire evolutionary cycle for them to do so. They just need the right genetic mutation to help along the limbs they already have. Wow. So imagine like you're just like on a Boy Scout trip. Imagining it. And you see a python mm-hmm. and you're like everybody be chill it's quiet like just like if you're gentle and like chill it won't come after you and then it just rises up oh. out of the grass on big old legs what are you doing i just have to outrun the slowest kid in my scout troop <laughs> i'm good <laughs> dude that's awesome that's man my story that's shit that's God, that story had everything it had curses it had Egypt. It had Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> it had Sonic the Hedgehog. And it had Knuckles. some spooky, some spooky wow. genetic shit. We went wow. a lot of places. We traveled. Wow. We really traveled. Okay, I'm... Can you even, Miles? I don't know if this is allowed. This is only... Is that allowed? I haven't been on the show very much. I'm going to give have. you ten. You can give me ten. I'm going to give you ten. It's not unprecedented. Okay. For... <laughs> Settle down. Yeah, let's calm down, Miles. I'm giving you 10 because you clearly had to take a lot of big, big boy science and make it sound good to us. Did and it? Yeah. Yeah, no. I have a general understanding of, of uh, cool. you talked about Kanye West's zone um, yes. and a few other things. Yeah, no, I get it now. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So 10 points of that. Great. Um, and then I'm going to give you three points and knuckles for Sonic the Hedgehog. Three points. <laughs> three points and knuckles? It's a Sonic the Hedgehog meme. All the deep Sonic fans okay, uh, in well, the what community great. are really going to appreciate it. So that's just for them. So 13. Uh, 13 points. Yeah, I, you know, I think in some ways, like, this is an incredible what topic. It's like, it's, you know, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you six points right off the bat for something that we thought we knew about, Snakes, do they have legs? I Before this, I thought I knew the answer to that. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like to make you question the big yeah. things. Uh, and then there was like some deep science in there, which I enjoyed, and some nerd stuff, which was definitely for Miles, and he, he liked it. I did. <laughs> and it helped. So I am going to have to take one point off for like just 
just completely ruthless pandering to our guest. Okay. <laughs> but Hi. Desperate, but, desperate pandering. But I am going to give you back six points. <gasps> Because it makes me sad that you think that you have to come up with like little facts, like little fact banks <laughs> to get friends. Because you know what? You got a friend right here, bud. Aww. Roll right the here. Toy Story soundtrack. Go. <laughs> you two have very you interesting. <laughs> That's your Randy, Randy Newman. Newman. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in How me. will you? I don't think you're allowed to do that. There's something I don't know all the words, but you got a friend in Ellie, me. Ellie, how are you ever going to have sex with this man again? <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God. Okay, no. I, I have to give you another I point. I know that's what he sounds like. I have to give you another point for having listened to that. <laughs> topic is an onion a day an onion a day an apple a day keeps the doctor away what does an onion a day do who's to say onion a day keeps the rona away yeah. <laughs> keeps keeps away the wona that's why you see toilet paper is missing hand sanitizer is missing and you can't get a fucking onion these no, days you, you can't cannot. get one to save your life you just can't get literally an onion. is it about cooking is your topic about cooking kind of the culinary arts Ooh, it's a very much culinary alchemy. I was going to guess it was about Shrek. <laughs> yeah, it is. But... It's about when Shrek cooks. Real quick, and then we'll move on to Mitch's topic. But you can only choose one. Okay. What are you doing? I already know which one Miles is doing. You can release either the Farley cut of Shrek, the butthole cut of Cats, <laughs> or the Snyder cut of Justice League. What you doing? Butthole cut. Butthole cut. <laughs> gotta go with that butthole cut. Butthole, it's got to be. Go with that that cut? movie is so wrong and should never have been made. <laughs> and the butthole cut is just like that extra leap into hell. It gives cats more replay value, as if it, it already didn't have enough. And you know, I just think that's really plus. It's more realistic, and Tom Hooper's all about realism. That cats just love to put that little butthole in your face. It's true. It's true. I'd go Farley cut so brave you go farley cut uh i'd go snyder cut just to see if it would like make all of the justice league people finally chill out on twitter (laughs) (laughs) never nothing will ever do that butthole cut probably makes um cheese ball feel more like welcome in the house so well you can't see her butthole because her little back fluff is so fluffy well must be nice yeah it is kind of Onion a day. Oh, yeah. So I want to start this off with a little bit of a conversation because you know me, I'd love to. <laughs> uh, have you guys ever had, and Miles can answer this as well, an experience where you were able to kind of alter your perception of taste? Ooh. Has something ever like uh, surprised you with its flavor? Have you ever had that moment where you bite into something and it tastes totally different than the way that you thought it was going to? I once had uh, tobacco ice cream in oh. Thailand. And I thought it would be gross, and it was delicious. When I was in Washington State a few years ago, I used to hate IPAs. And then I had IPAs with hops that were, like, fresh picked from the day before. And it changed, like, my whole concept of how beer worked because they were super floral. And, like, you could taste, like, all the citrus and elements they put into the IPA. It was very good. On a trip to Japan, I was fortunate enough to get to go to a Japanese barbecue place with a local 
uh, where we ordered a tiny piece of steak that was so beautifully fatty and marbled, and they insisted that I put a dollop of wasabi on it. And I was like, I that sounds horrible. He's like, just trust me. And I ate it, and it tasted like butter. It tasted like there was a big old slab of butter on top of it, and I still, it freaks my bean to think of it. One time, I had this really bizarre experience, and I've tried to describe it to people, and a lot of people didn't believe me, and I was like, no, this really happened to me. And it was that I was at home, I was like a teenager, and we had apples at home, and I went to go reach for an apple and my parents used to like keep all of the sort of shelf stable produce mm. in like a basket because they were like mm, rustic <laughs> <laughs> it was like apples avocados and onions and potatoes and i grabbed an apple and i started to like daydream or like kind of zone out as i was going to eat it and thinking like oh man wouldn't it have been so funny if i had grabbed an onion like that would have been crazy and i was imagining that and then i bit into the apple and I tasted onion. Like I didn't like in my mind, like I just like bit into my fruit and my mouth was filled with like the sharp, pungent, painful sensation of onion to the point where I like, I panicked and I dropped it thinking that I had actually grabbed an onion. And then I looked and it was an apple with a bite out of it. And I realized that like the power of my mind and like my sense memory had kind of overtaken my taste buds. You freaked made, your taste buds out. I freaked my bean, my, <laughs> my bud beans, and made myself taste onion. That was a story that, and an experience that made me really want to understand kind of the science of flavor and Ooh. why things, and how much certain things, how much of it is really our mouths and how much of it, like so many things, is our brain or our little meat computer. <laughs> Or the simulation. (laughs) What's that? What is that movie that Patrick made us watch? What's it called? I'm sorry. The Matrix. No, Patrick made us. Oh, oh, the VR one. Patrick made us watch this movie about a video game console that's like made of flesh and it attaches to like your spinal cord. Please Google it immediately. I need to know because it it came out the same year as The Matrix, and one of the quotes on the DVD is "Existence." Existence. The quote on this DVD box is "Makes the Matrix looks like child's play." Hey, folks, (laughs) it fucking doesn't. And it's just this like horny '90s woman fingering this little like gelatinous. Yeah, yeah it's like, video. Hey, hey, have you have you guys seen the new Oculus, the new HTC Vive? Yeah, it's a, imagine a yeah. face hugger with a big fat clit that you just yeah. kind of massage and it takes kind, you to the and to the VR zone. It kind of zone. looks like the original Xbox controller that was <laughs> like Duke? an yeah. offense against God. <laughs> And she just like think she just like twiddles its little nubbins, and she's like, "Oh yes, very upsetting." Carry Deeply on. upsetting yeah, film. That does sound edgier than The Matrix, if I'm being honest. Which is that's a feat. Sorry, Chelsea. Please well, carry on. I will. So <laughs> you know, naturally, the first thing that I was exploring is the science behind taste. Which just to kind of is like a a little refresher. Human beings can taste about half a dozen or so basic tastes they can differ culturally which is a thing that we'll talk about a little bit but generally when people talk about the tastes we talk about sweet sour bitter salty um and then a couple that you don't hear as often but you hear more and more is astringent so that would be like things that taste soapy or Mm. vinegary um like for some people cilantro might be astringent Mm -hmm. and then of course everyone's favorite buzzword umami i was waiting for umami (laughs) You're waiting for umami. Umami, uh, actually, I heard in a, a novel by Stephanie Dandler 
about a restaurant, she described umami as the precipice of rot. Uh, oh. And I think about that all the time. The I know it's very pretentious, but it's, it, it is the way that I would describe it. Yeah. Umami is like aged beef, Parmesan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, soy sauce. Oh, okay. Fishy, like that yeah. fish sauce little, taste. Fish yeah. sauce. Fish sauce is a, a little funky. Yeah, like a little very deep, very funky, very satisfying. Human beings developed taste as a sense in order to, like we always do, to survive. Because generally edible plants taste sweet, which I think that we can, if you really think about it, like that carries on today, because like most fruits are sweet. And even I would say, as compared to other things, uh, the taste of like raw, I don't know, broccoli or carrot or spinach, like those are relatively sweet. I would yeah. mean, We might not call them sweet in compared, comparison to candy, but they are sweeter than say rotten fish. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And then bitter things were harmful. So like poisonous plants were generally bitter. Yeah. Another great example of this and also a great example of a cultural difference would be capsaicin, which is what causes heat in food, like spicy foods. Mm -hmm. Capsaicin was developed by plants to stop us from eating their fruit. So basically we were yeah. like, ooh, sweet, good. We eat fruit off tree. And then some plants were like, no eat fruit. Please don't. Capsaicin. Yeah, capsaicin, no eat fruit. And then all the other animals were like, oh God, no, fire, fruit, fire, no eat fruit. <laughs> and then humans were like, ooh, ow. Ooh. Ooh, I like it when you hurt me. Ooh, mommy. Ooh, mommy. Ooh, mommy. <laughs> anyway, so then all human beings decided they liked that uh, painful, spicy thing, except for Ellie, who does not like it. I she can't. Doesn't. I do my best, you know? I just can't. I but do you feel like you can handle spice more now, having lived in the U.S. for like five years? No. Or Texas, at least. <laughs> no. Here's the thing. I am pretty good with Indian spice, but I cannot handle Mexican it's spice. It's not just that. It's also, it's Indian and bu specifically buffalo wing sauce. You're oh, I do with. love some I buffalo wings. I don't wing. get it. I do not get it at all. But I can't be handling jalapenos. I can't handle habaneros. You can, you can scarf down some like buffalo cauliflower like it's no one's business. Oh. And if your girl can go like some crazy on a Rogan Josh. Yeah, but if I if I add in like one extra tablespoon of salsa so into upset. a dish, I've ruined dinner for you, yeah. and I need to. I got to go back to the jargon. <laughs> I've made creamy soups that Ellie can't eat. <laughs> this is taken on a, a kind of a bullying tone. <laughs> no, you just have such a special palate. I have a British palate, and I love it, and that is who I is, and we. No, that's really what it is, though, Ellie. Yeah. Is that like. Where you grew up, you weren't introduced to like capsaicin no. in the form of like those kind of like uh, peppers that grow close to the equator. Mm -hmm. so therefore, and scientists do find that generally your palate is mostly locked in in like the first like few years of life. Wow. Obviously, there are some things no that way. you will grow to like, but for the most part, it becomes locked in. And so, in like a broad sense, so like for you, like heat is probably not something that you're going to learn to enjoy unless you really dedicate, like unless you treat it like a hobby and dedicated hours. <laughs> Which, you know, I not, I'm not gonna do. I know. A great example is like the flip, like, you know, my boyfriend, Connor, native Austinite, which he loves to bring up. <laughs> He grew up eating Tex-Mex and, oh, yeah. you know, Mexican food, and he loves to eat spicy food. He and I will eat so much, like, hot anything. But then when we go to a Lebanese restaurant or an Indian restaurant, do it. and I, I always tell them I want it Desi hot, like I want it as hot as it can be, because that's also, like, the food that I grew up with. Uh, he's, like, he tells me that I've password protected my dinner. Like, <laughs> 
Oh, that's amazing. That's so good. I guess that is true because there is such a massive Indian food culture in England that like I always grew up with Indian food and so I can eat Indian spice whereas I can't eat Mexican spice. And it makes sense for me because like the handful of times I have tried Indian food doesn't go super good with me. Yeah. It also makes sense as to why you like buffalo wings because that's just equal parts Frank's Red Hot and butter. Which is like how you make butter chicken. Another great example that I love to cite is uh, I don't know if any of you have watched the show Ugly Delicious. Oh, on Netflix. yes. Oh, yeah. I love that it's series. It's a great show. It's an equal parts cooking show and kind of culinary exploration show. Mm-hmm. David Chang, uh, who's a chef, he owns like the Momofuku restaurant group. At one point, he did an episode in the first season that was about Chinese food. And he's really vulnerable in the episode because he talked about how, as the son of Korean immigrants, he grew up eating a lot of like you know quote air quotes pan asian food mm. it was a big part of his identity and then he grew up cooking a lot of times in primarily chinese kitchens and so in his mind as an adult man and also an adult professional chef he's like oh yeah i know chinese food i love chinese food and then he came to find out during his research for his show that he didn't know shit about chinese food <laughs> chinese food in america was created by chinese immigrants to appeal to a western palate so it is full of sugar mm-hmm. and it's full of primarily like sweet salty and rich like umami flavors that is not what they eat in china because it's not what they grew up with he went to china to try some actual chinese dishes in china and he did it on the show and so primarily the flavors and textures that were celebrated in the chinese food that he was eating in china were bitter gristle mm-hmm. so like the texture mm-hmm. of gristly chewy and slimy mm-hmm. we all have a hard time with that right because those are things that are usually considered to be a prop like problems Gross. like that's like if you don't yeah if you don't cook something correctly you get those things right those are the things that are, are celebrated and you saw the look on david chang's face when he bit into something and he was just like i i hate myself for saying this he's like i don't like it mm-hmm. yeah I, mm-hmm. it doesn't taste good to me and they're like that's okay they're like a lot of westerners have a really hard time once you start to think in this way in terms of a palate being something that you develop culturally and it's locked in you start to see all around uh the kind of gatekeeping of western uh western ideals about food because for example when you will watch like a cooking television show or you'll read a cookbook they'll talk a lot about balancing flavors but it is always prized for a western palate Mm -hmm. so it's always like oh you should this is really balanced because this bitterness is overtaken by this sweetness or because you get rid of this sliminess and then you get this this depth of uh you know robust chewiness or whatever and so once you like it's you know it's like the matrix (laughs) (laughs) i think what's really interesting about all the stories that we just shared we all touched on the fact that taste is only one of the senses that goes into flavor Mm. so flavor scientists Think about flavor as sort of an umbrella under which taste is only one part of it. Uh, I'm sure that you guys have noticed that smell is a huge, huge part. Right, right. I've I've known some people who who lack a sense of smell. Anosmia. That have a yeah, that have a a, a very different, I I guess, perception of certain types of dishes. Lack of perception, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. When I make dinner, if my allergies are really bad. 
Um, yes. I always overspice everything, and it drives my wife crazy. <laughs> I can tell she's really nice, and she doesn't say anything, but I can tell. <laughs> the wildest thing that I found when I was doing this research is because I had heard that too. Like I, people, like I was reading these articles, and they were like, "Well, you know, smell like pushing their like glasses mm-hmm. up their nose. Smell's a big part of it." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Well, then I found out. Oh no, no, no! Smell might be a bigger part of flavor than taste. Mm-hmm. Like what you smell might be bigger than what you put in your mouth in terms of the things that you enjoy to taste. So here's some really wild shit that I found about this. The human nose is so sensitive that it can detect aromas present in quantities of a few parts of a trillion. Wow. And I know that's hard to conceptualize. So let me give an example. The dominant flavor of a bell pepper, which they've been able to isolate, it can be tasted in as low as 0.02 parts per billion, (gasps) which means that one drop of bell pepper flavor is enough to add flavor to five swimming pools and make five swimming pools of water taste like bell pepper. So the next time that one of you motherfuckers puts green bell pepper in my food and then says, well, you couldn't taste it, I took it out. They're lying. (laughs) That's so crazy. Probably you could still taste it even if it wasn't in your batch because you were actually smelling it and then it would make your food taste like it. It's more likely that you were smelling it than tasting it. So the advent of kind of modern flavor science, which is a real science, Mm -hmm. came to us (laughs) as most things through McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about a remember me level twist. Uh, (laughs) McDonald's forever like that you know people were like into mcdonald's what they're really into is mcdonald's fries and i think that we yeah. can all kind of mcdonald's fries are like the premier the yeah they're the pinnacle tits. they used to be yeah, better the best okay well no they changed oh. up the oil and i bet that's what you're going to talk about thank yeah, you for reacting like, yeah. miles don't out yourself as like a 50 year old man because this <laughs> thing that i'm talking about did happen in like the early 90s so i don't know that any of us really <laughs> but yes miles is right McDonald's fries became famous in like the 60s and 70s because they were cooked in beef fat. They were fried in beef fat. Yum. So they were fat fries. Uh, everybody loved them. But then in the 90s, when people started like being a little bit more health conscious, they were like, hey, McDonald's fries actually have more cholesterol and saturated fat than their beef burgers. <gasps> no way. Yeah. And it was like gross. So... They decided to switch from beef fat to vegetable oil, plus natural flavors. No, and I know no, that we've had so many great eat. air quotes this episode. So, do you guys know how they make uh, natural flavors? Is it a spell? Kind of. <laughs> it I have looks, no idea. I bet if you watched it happen, it would look much like a spell. Oh no! What is it? Okay, this is really weird. Uh, see, I always assumed, and this was me being very naive, that when something had like natural flavors, like for example, if they were like, oh, this has caramel flavor, it was because maybe they put some caramel in some water somewhere and then let it like have like essence of caramel and then like put that water in shit. <laughs> uh-huh. This is what they do. They take whatever the thing is that they're trying to make the flavor of. So say you're trying to make the flavor of- Banana. Banana. Okay. <laughs> they would take banana and they would set it on fire. What? Inside of, yes. They set it on fire inside of a machine called a gas chromatograph. And okay. this would actually take photos of the vapor and like smoke that was released by the banana when it was on fire. And it would filter 
that vapor through a spectrometer, which is basically like a very fancy chemical machine that filters all the different molecules in that vapor. So you have the banana, it's on fire, it releases banana steam, that steam goes through the spectrometer and the spectrometer says, these molecules weigh this much and they're this big and they're this concentrated. And then after that, scientists would just isolate whatever the um, chemical formula was for those molecules and then just recreate them artificially. It's When they say artificial flavor, it's completely artificial. It is just a chemical that mimics that same, that are, or is as close as possible to that same- Which is why bit of banana tastes, banana flavor tastes nothing like banana, but it is recognizable as banana. That is part of it. Also, I've also heard that the banana taste being different is because there used to be another like species of banana that existed mm. up until the 50s that doesn't exist anymore. Oh. They actually covered that but in season gone. two of Ugly Delicious. Really? Yeah, Back to David interesting. When you see something that has that is strawberry flavored, so like if you buy strawberry syrup at the, you know, at the grocery store and it says natural flavors, mm -hmm. it will contain the following ingredients. Amyl acetate, amyl butyrate, amyl valerate, anthanol, anisyl, anisyl formate, benzyl acetate, benzyl isobutyrate, butyric acid, cinnamol isobutyrate. So, and that's, that is maybe a fifth of the ingredients here. And they're all like that. And it's because flavor science isn't just being like, that's caramel, let's put caramel in that. Flavor science is literally just a bunch of like potions. And that's, potions. And that's cheaper potions. than just using fucking strawberries? I think it's probably cheaper in the sense that you make this one solution, like we talked about, yeah. because it's about smell right you make this one solution and you only have to put remember 0 0.02 parts per billion wow. into it to make that to make five swimming pools taste like strawberries whereas if you wanted to make sw five swimming pools taste like strawberries with real strawberries you'd have to pay a farmer to make right. all those strawberries wow so, yeah it is cost effective this reminds me of when the last time i went to england seeing pop tarts for sale in just a local grocery store and uh -huh. Pop-Tarts here in America says, like, made with real fruit. Just printed on every box. In England, in England, the box is the same, but they were required to put a sticker on the box that was like, that's fucking horse shit. There's like a bright neon colored sticker that was like, actually, no. I'll leave you with this, and I want you guys to play along. And if you're at home listening, I want you to play along. Well, let's play well. along at home. So when I found all this information about the different flavor sciences and how they create artificial flavors, this one name kept popping up, and his name is Dr. Granger, and he's considered the Coco Chanel of flavor science. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Builds you any complex flavor that you want. I'm pretty sure he is the one that built the artificial beef flavor that they now put in McDonald's fries to make them taste like beef so that they don't have to cook them in beef anymore. Okay. So this journalist who was interviewing Dr. Granger, she described this interaction with him. Granger brought out a dozen small glass bottles from the lab. After he opened each bottle, I dipped a fragrance testing filter into it, a long white strip of paper designed to absorb aromas without producing any off notes. Before placing each strip of paper in front of my nose, I closed my eyes. Then I inhaled deeply and one food after another was conjured from the glass bottles. So now I want you guys to close your eyes and try to imagine smelling each of these things. Okay. I smelled fresh cherries, black olives, sauteed onions, mm. and shrimp. Wow. 
After closing my eyes, I suddenly smelled a grilled hamburger. The aroma was uncanny, almost miraculous, as if someone in the room were flipping burgers on a hot grill. But when I opened my eyes, I saw just a narrow strip of white paper and a flavorist with a grin. Oh my God. It's it's modern alchemy. Like they just combine all these flavors. They combine all these like chemicals that are each different flavors and they keep mixing and matching and they can basically trick your mind via your smell fear your sense of smell into believing that it tastes like almost anything. That's incredible. Cool. I mean, it gives you a lot of hope for like the artificial meat industry as a whole. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> what I've always wanted in my heart, if I'm being totally honest and very yeah. cynical, if I can get vulnerable there with everybody. Please do. Is I would love to get like three square meals a day that equal out to the exact caloric and vitamin intake that I need for my body, but they taste like whatever I want. Like the back to the future thing when they put the little disc in the yes. and it comes out like a pizza and you're like, all right. You guys know um, this quaint little place called Taco Bell? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you? Yeah. I'm familiar. They have the Doritos Locos Taco, which is a taco shell sprayed, I assumed, with Doritos <laughs> chip flavoring. But did you know... That for a brief period of time, Doritos produced a Doritos Locos Taco flavored Dorito. I remember this. Wait, it was that black bag with the midnight tacos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so good. It was amazing. And it tasted exactly like a Taco Bell taco. It tasted exactly like a Taco Bell Doritos Locos Taco. Beautiful. That's flavor science, baby. And that's flavor science. Damn. Chelsea. Yes. Eight points off the bat. I loved that. I've never really thought about flavor science before and you took me into a whole new world and I'm excited about it and I'm excited to learn more. So thank you. Um, minus one point just for, because Miles brought up Taco Bell and it's not your fault, but that is what's going to happen. Sorry, Chelsea. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Ch- Chelsea, I'm going to start you off at a solid 10. Ooh. Just wow. because I love ugly, delicious. David Chang's my dude. It's my favorite yeah, show. Cool. Um, I'm going to do a minus two points, though, because I didn't smell anything when you told me to quit. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to imagine. This podcast wasn't in 4D. <laughs> oh, but, right. but honestly, fuck you. <laughs> oh, that's a callback. And that's a callback, Miles. <laughs> Mine is called... And like, don't freak out. Okay. Now you see me, now you don't. Fuck. If it's fucking magic, it's Beth, we already magicians. talked about this. I know, it's not magic. Wait, no magic. You. Now you see me, now you don't. Now you see it me, about? now you don't. Was it about how Jesse Eisenberg is weirdly attractive? Um, it's not, but we can also talk about that for as long as you like, because 100%. Now you see me, now you don't. Now you see me, now you don't. Uh, two-way mirrors. One-way mirrors, three-way mirrors. Nothing about mirrors. Not every word is spelt how you're currently saying it. So now you see me, now you don't. Is it about, like, sheep? Is it you, like, E-W-E? Now you Now you see me, now you don't. There's not see. Many- like S E A C S E A. It is S E A C. Oh my god! You see me now. So there's know. sheep's in the sea. There is zero oh. sheep involved in this. Okay. All right. What is about the ocean? The ocean can be creepy. So I'm excited. The ocean's super creepy. Now you see me. Now you don't. Sheep. 
I remember this. Yes, the sheep at sea. The mystery of people going missing from cruise ships. <gasps> Murdered by their husbands. So I'm I'm super interested by people going missing at all, like or dying mm-hmm. on cruise ships. Because the thought of being in like deep, international waters deep international waters deep waters with no uh, no idea of who's going to rescue you has just like terrified me for years since uh, open water that film oh from, yeah, yeah that was the sharks which by the way do you know that film's based on a true story yeah i did terrifying that. horrid no anyway do you want to hear something that'll upset you always <laughs> Literally, always. Uh, to put my dad on blast. So, like, uh, we used to go on a lot of cruises when I was a kid. And I was like... Okay, bougie. All right. Well, not really. Like, there were carnival cruises, so oh, calm down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, like, but here's the thing. is like, you know, he had he had three kids. I had two steps two sets of siblings um so we were all between the age of seven and 13 i was a seven-year-old last born hashtag last born i remember overhearing my dad tell his friend yeah cruises are the best for family vacations because like chelsea like where's she gonna go like i don't have to see her like for days like and i know that she's gonna be safe because like where's she gonna go she's on a cruise ship and i remember thinking that was funny then and the older i got i was like that's so scary my dad was just like my dad was just like there's nothing well like nothing could happen to her like we're in a lot we're in a closed space and i was like we sure weren't he thought the whole cruise ship was like a daycare no well it is not and let me tell you why so since the year 2000 over 300 people have gone missing on cruise ships over the year 2000 yes over 300 people fuck 100 people now some of these are obviously like cut and dry right like people get there's so much alcohol yeah you're in close proximity with people so if there's like there's an altercation yeah yeah. and and then also you know sometimes people commit suicide but then there are also cases where there's something super weird at play so for example i'm going to give you two stories Okay. Um, the first one is Amy Bradley. She went. This is a super famous case, um, and also um, Crime Junkies podcast has an amazing episode on this one. 1998, on a cruise with her family. She was 23, drinking all night. Her dad woke up briefly at like 5:15, 5:30. wasn't too sure of the time, but it was definitely after five because he saw the clock. She was asleep outside on the balcony. They had like a shared balcony between the two rooms. Mm-hmm. And 6 a.m., he woke up fully went out she was gone <gasps> she was like proper asleep before so it wasn't like she was out there having a hard time he left her out there right inside she jumped right it would literally have given her maybe half an hour to have woken up from a deep sleep yeah and made the decision to jump overboard um, she just gone back into her room no, that she was nowhere to be found. So there's no evidence of foul play, no evidence of suicide, and like what's really scary, and I'll come back to this because it freaks me out. So the cruise companies allowed all the passengers to disembark at their next stop, which was like I think Aruba, and they could all they let everybody get off, and then they did a full another search of the ship. But the whole theory with Amy Bradley is that she was taken into sex slavery. So there's been multiple sightings of her over the last years, like in the Caribbean with. Um, oh, like, so she had some like distinctive terrifying. tattoos and because they let everybody off there's no way of knowing it also took like the FBI something like a week before they started investigating it because they have to leave it to the local authorities wherever it's been like registered where it's like signed into oh, no. which is super scary and it's like I think it was Aruba like they just don't have the ability to fully investigate or like right. you know, or thousands yeah. of people and you know it's just insane throughout the years there have been quite a few sightings of her that's um, so scary and a photo was sent to her family 
that their wait what had, yeah wait what a, fam- a photo got sent to her family somebody who'd been at like a brothel who was like pretty sure that's that missing girl also like, 20 years later 10 years later i hope that that person who sent the photo was also like and then i did deep reflection on whether or not i was like helping the sex slave trade yeah in my visit to the brothel <laughs> Is there is there a person on a, a cruise ship that is like an investigator? Like, is there like an onboard sort of like I ship believe, police or no. something? So not only is there not that, they also have um, security cameras on board, but mm-hmm. nobody manning them because that would take like if you think it's about the size of a cruise ship, it's like it's like a city, huge, and thousands of people. It would take a huge amount. So what they'll do, the CCTV is reactive. Like they'll use it when Oof. something dodgy happens. You know, people get like sexually assaulted on. But it's not live something. monitored. It's not live monitored. There is, however, the technology that could be used. I want to again come back to this, but there is a technology that's called like man overboard technology. That's like basically sensors around the outside of the ship that if somebody was to go overboard, it's super quick to check. Was well, that a seagull flying past it or something or a wave hitting right. it? Mm-hmm. Or did somebody go overboard and then catch them, like, you know, catch them, but, you know, like, grab them, pick, right. pick them back up without it being this huge, huge thing. But they don't want to do that. And I'm going to come back to that when I discuss Big Cruise. Um, <laughs> my next story is another crazy one. So George Smith, his name was George Smith. Which is, I think this was a much bigger story in the US than it was in the UK. But um, so 2005, he's on his honeymoon. Oh, I didn't oh, hear about this no. one. Um, after a night of, like, intense drinking, like, heavy, heavy drinking... He was gambling a lot. His wife, like, disappeared off with, like, a staffer from... I think things got pretty loose, but no judgment. Everybody did what they want to do. Um, (laughs) He got back to his room with, like, four other guys brought him back. They were, like, on CCTV, taking him back. He was, like, wasted. Right. Um, The neighbours then reported hearing shouting, fighting, and then a very, very loud bump. Ooh. And the next morning, somebody in one of the rooms downstairs comes out onto their little balcony and says, Why is there blood? And there was blood everywhere. And not everywhere. There was blood. And there was blood in his room it was as well. Significant. When they later. Yeah. Oh. Obviously, his whole family, uh, minus his wife, which I uh, believe it was murder. Um, she doesn't? Oh. Okay, so, like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not one to, like, I'm real, I'm all about innocent until proven guilty. But when. <laughs> When when ten people say murder and the eleventh person who was there was like I don't know it's probably fine, so, I'd be looking at that eleventh person. The eleventh person been, who just tied themselves to that person for life. Yeah, she's just she's been ruled out and will, have, has never said how why, and the FBI have never said why, which to me suggests probably was like she had with an somebody else alibi. Uh, they, an airtight yeah you need it like she was with somebody else she's like I have no recollection of that night but why would someone kill him like maybe it's like a cognitive dissonance thing like she can't if if she was really having an affair because also we don't know anything about their relationship if she was really having an affair and then her husband was murdered mm-hmm. maybe that's like too much on her psyche like she's like for her yeah. like you know what I mean like yeah. it just feels too big and like to, to, deal, yeah. Yeah, to deal with was a body found oh. body was never found body was never found split, split, split splash did they do Sorry. any kind of were they able to do any kind of testing to see if that was his blood I couldn't find anything on this I think they might have said that they couldn't link it to him 
Hmm. However, that's weird. But he had gone overboard, so they didn't have his blood, right? Unless it was just like from record. They only have. Do they know record. he went overboard, or they're just saying they never found his body? They never found his body. He, and I know, I'm like, pretty this... sure that guy went overboard, whether he was dead or alive, when he went. Right. No, I, I get that. On the side of the. I guess what I meant was like, did they have like any kind of CCTV of him going no, overboard? Nothing. I wonder if it was just like a like a robbery gone wrong or something. Well, that's another theory because they heard a lot of rummaging after the thud. Because I've, I've heard of that happening in hotels before that people get super wasted in hotel bars and like other people wait till they be like, hey man, like you're really drunk. I'm going to take you back to your room. And they're like, oh, thank you very much. You're so nice. And then, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then they take them back and, and they steal their yeah. stuff. Things happen, right? People die mysteriously. People disappear. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. Themselves. What's insane is how the cruise ships handle it, because they are all about protecting their interests. And Obviously. This is big cruise, and it's so awful. So, people who've reported family members missing have been kind of dumped out at the next <gasps> at the next port with all of the belongings in a bag. What? They let people off the ship at the next stop because they don't like their biggest fear is having to do a stop and do a search mission holding up the thousands of people that they've got on board and ruining their fucking holiday so they don't go yeah. looking for somebody who might be um that's so scary so the industry's huge as millions of passengers every year um and they they just think about the good reputation and an example of this i'm sure you remember this is rebecca corium who was the one who worked oh, for disney cruises yes so she worked for disney cruises and she a british woman and she disappeared after being on a phone call looking very agitated but it was an internal phone then just was like never seen again they again it was like really awful how they handled it as in they didn't like report it to her family for quite yeah. a while um they like hushed it up they hushed up completely and her family like i think sued disney but there was all these changes in the laws because they were like you guys know more than you're letting on and you're all about protecting your interests i remember reading a thing one time that said because of like the kind of wonky ways that international waters yeah. laws work um that's part of the reason that all cruise ships are like if you look they're all based in like really rent like not even like the 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 places that they go to yeah. it'll be like a very obscure island country mm. it's because like they have more lax tax laws they have what they usually have non-existent labor laws um so they can take advantage of like a lot of times like the international sort of crew all yeah. around bad yeah not it's all good dodgy. and christopher caldwell who's called he went missing off a cruise in 2004 they didn't inform the coast guard or authorities until they had searched the entire ship and let everyone off, which took three and a half hours. So three and a half hours on from a guy falling into the water. So I think the longest I looked at this, like, this is the best I could find, the longest that anyone survived after falling, it was 18 hours. Wow. So three and a half hours later, like even if he had survived the fall, which from some of those, yeah, it would kill you. Cruise ships, like, you're not gonna make it, but yeah, um, you're also like, really reducing the chance of being able to let his family know what to do. There's no law. There's no law on it because they don't need to let the authorities know until they port because they're in international waters. That's wild. So you need like a judge on every boat. <laughs> or at least like it in like I we need a judge that guy from bodyguard <laughs> just like walking around just and it's not around. sexy yeah but he's walking around and he's like that's dodgy and that's like I'm not so cool. smart I'm so smart and I yeah. know what's going on let's take this to the judge of the sea 
So I do have a different theory. Is that Poseidon? Theory. I've got another I guess. Theory. Yeah, Poseidon. Yeah. yeah. I had this other theory. Those instances, those guys, like, were either killed or, you know, sold into sex slavery. Although Christopher Caldwell, not so much. Rebecca, Corium, not so much. Like, they just went missing and they probably either jumped or got pushed. One thing that's really interesting is, like, every single case, the family, of course, are like, they would never have jumped. They wouldn't have got so drunk and stupid that they would stand near the edge and, you know, get swept in by a big wave or whatever. One thing I was thinking about was, so you've got, like, prairie madness, stir crazy, uh, like, cabin fever. Drastic changes in environment can have a huge impact on, like, mental... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Well being. And could it potentially be that people just almost like break? They seem completely fine. They're handling it well. So no one that they're with has any sense that something weird's going on. And they suddenly, something switches. Not that they want to uh, necessarily like intend to hurt themselves by jumping, but that they're like, oh, I'm going mad on this boat. I'm going to like, I want to yeah. just like stand up on, you know, like Titanic style, like stand up on the. Or just like, I do anything to get out of this situation. Exactly. And you're not thinking clearly. Yeah. I think that's. that's- it's like kind of like the feeling that you get when you're standing on a bridge and you're like I just want to throw my phone off it yeah yeah kind of (laughs) like an intrusive thought kind of yeah But does it, like, does it get triggered by the weird, like, because a cruise ship is fucking weird. Yeah. I'm a triple water sign. I love being in the ocean. I love being near bodies of water. But I do find vast open water like that to be a little bit, like, psychologically oppressive. Yeah. Well, so this, this sensor that they could get and, that, like, would work, it costs, like, 100k to install on a big, mm. on a big cruise ship. Right. Um, they which that easy. is nothing. Like, yeah. But the um, impact it would have on like every time it went off you'd have to stop because oh. you said like you said like gulls and stuff can trigger yeah. anything that can trigger it yeah, yeah you'd like, have to sure, check it out a few minutes right and like people don't re- i don't think people realize when they go on cruises how unprotected they are yeah and, like the, yeah like no one on that boat cares about like, about you but yeah. i think it would make the whole thing this is not in any way advocating for the cruise ship companies because i think they should do that but i think they would make the whole journey like you couldn't predict how much you would have to stop you couldn't predict therefore the effect on their journey yeah it makes it incredibly difficult um but it's i mean at the same time the pe- minimum... they should care about people dying so one more wild thing and then i'll stop the minimum height of the railings is only 3.5 feet what? Even I could fall off that. And Any, I'm very small. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 3.6 You could trip feet. over that. Yeah. Some of the things that I remember from being on a cruise even though it was small was how much it really did, like, sort of pitch mm. in the water, which, like, the idea is it's supposed to be so big that, like, even on, like, ocean waves, you wouldn't feel it, but you sure did. Mm-hmm. And then one time, I actually, I had a family member who was on a cruise. I wasn't on this cruise, thank God, because I think it would have scarred me for fucking life. <laughs> and she described she was lying in bed in their cabin in, um, and her husband and the kids had gone off to like go do something and she said that she remembers she was on her bed and all of a sudden it pitched like almost 45 degrees like she says she had to reach up and grab Whoa. the headboard to keep from slipping off and everything moved and then after that like the the captain came on like the overhead system hey, and was, I'm so yeah. sorry about that he said the hydraulics temporarily failed so the hydraulic system underneath the boat is help what helps keep it level because it's oh, so big and it failed and when it failed the boat literally pitched almost 45 degrees and like if there was only a railing that was four feet and you were on like one of the top decks 
then that's, you're gone. Yeah, you're just gone. Oh, Beth, Beth, incredible. Yeah. Great topic. Oh my god, great thank topic. You so much. I so good. Was be so creeped out. Kind of came out of I nowhere. I want to read so much more. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Fuck cruises, man. I'm giving you seven yeah. points. Seven points. No deductions. No deductions. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Oh my god. Yeah, I can't. I'm trying to think of like something funny to deduct you for, but I really <laughs> like. Uh, I'm like, what? Like, uh, like it's not your fault. Sex slavery is a problem. Like, I'm not going to deduct not, you for that. Not only my fault, anyway. <laughs> I'm going to. I don't even know if this is allowed, but like, fuck it. Uh, I'm going to give you also ten points, and I'm going to deduct five point five million points. <laughs> From the asshole who was like, yeah, I found a photo when I was at my, the sex yeah. slavery dungeon. Yeah. That, that guy, guy loses points. That guy loses points. Dude, you're you're already crushing me. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Well you want support and um, fuck cruise ships. Yeah. yeah. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and last week's compilation as well. They're really fun to put together and let me know your favorite. Maybe we can crown a winner of the year overall. Chelsea and I are going to have a little bit of a break and we will be back at the end of January. Don't worry, we'll let you know when exactly for our one year anniversary. What is one? We're going to have our first birthday and it's going to be a really fun special episode and we'll be able to talk to you about what the podcast is going to sound like going forward and fun things on social media and Patreon and all that stuff that we're planning for 2021. Thank you so, so much for listening to us through this year. Um, We hope that in a year that's been really, really difficult, we've been able to make you smile and laugh a couple of times, introduce you to some new friends, some funny people, some amazing stories, and maybe you learn something. Have a really, really happy new year. Stay inside, stay safe, keep it loose, keep it tight, and say your prayers at night. (music) 